Welcome to the Time Capsule Podcast. This is an opportunity for guests to have their own little time capsule of a memory in the form of a podcast. So on the show, I interview a myriad of people who encompass my social circle, family, friends, acquaintances, you name it. And the purpose of this podcast is to give the guests who are on the show their own little time capsule, and this being in the form of a high-quality piece of audio, or what we know as a podcast. So today on Time Capsule, we'll catch up with childhood friend of mine, Kyle Whitaker. Kyle Whitaker is a Grand Rapids native who is the king of storytelling. He's always, always, always in the know as to what is going on in the world. I mean, I'm telling you, this kid, he always, always knows current events, current news, what is going on. His brain is also always full of random little tidbits of trivia. So much so, in fact, that he's actually tried out for Jeopardy before. Um, Some other fun facts about Kyle, too, is that, uh, funny enough, he doesn't sweat and he doesn't need deodorant. Um, And I promise you, he always smells good like a wallflower, so no need to worry there. Um, As a graduate from Bowling Green State University in Ohio, Kyle now resides in Grand Rapids, Michigan with his fiancée, Jennifer. Kyle loves his DIY projects and building with his hands. He's very creative and loves to create. Most notably, these days, he's into woodworking projects. He also loves golfing, hunting, camping, essentially anything he can do outdoors. One phenomenal quality about Kyle is that he's also an incredibly loyal and non-judgmental friend through thick and thin. He's always there for his inner circle. He's also always inviting people to hang out and do something special. So without further ado, welcome to episode one. I give you Kyle Whitaker. We're live. Do you have an intro song or anything? Uh, I probably will do something, but cheers, man. Dude. Work out by night, exactly. So we're coming to you live from 4280 Downing Street, and I am here at the residence of Jennifer Grove and Kyle Whitaker. And on the microphone today, we have the wonderful childhood friend, lifelong friend of mine, Kyle Whitaker. Kyle, how are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. This is uh, different. This is, <laughs> this is a first. It's kind, of, it's kind of fun, though, isn't it? I like it. Yeah. I've never, uh, I've never seen how all this stuff works. This it, it'll be cool because, like, I mean, it's, it's something a lot of people... I feel like don't get the chance to do, but they can scratch off the bucket list and, you know, have something to reflect on, show the mom and dad. Yeah, this is a cool idea. I like your, all your podcast ideas are cool, but this one is uh, a good one. I like it. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. Appreciate that. So, uh, so what'd you do this weekend? Um, yesterday. So we saw yesterday, which the farmer's market, Fulton Street one. Okay. And uh, it's been a long time since we've seen, I guess, anything crazy. You know, I've still been waiting for like someone to see like a mask freak out. Oh yeah. We saw a triple uh, like car crash, and like this old woman. We were walking in, and this old lady, eighties, nineties. We just hear a crunch. Oh no! Oh gosh, what's going on? And we like kind of walk around this building, and we see these two cars that just gotten like a fender bender trying to get out of the building, and you hear like she backs up. And then her tires start squeaking, like like revving her engine, and she just crushes back into this car again. Oh like, no! Rammed him. So she hit both. Oh, you're she saying hit the same car like twice. Oh, like, I oh, see. Gosh, what's going on? This lady has she's old. She has really old. What's going on? Yeah. And everyone's like screaming, like get her out of the car. Call someone, call the police. 
she does it again and she tries to like get around the guy and there's no room and she crushes him again and starts like trying to get out and people like vigilante justice like someone like pulls their car in from the exit so she can't get out of the the parking lot and there's like people on the phone calling the cops oh man like someone like chasing her trying to get the door open yeah and they pull her out and she has no idea what just happened oh no so so in situations like that do you feel like I mean, obviously, it's everyone reacts in so many different ways. But how many people were just bystanders, you know, mouths agape, looking at the scene, and then how many people immediately were like, "I'm sprinting into action. I'm going to call people. I'm going to help out." Right. That's that's one of those what would you do situations. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, you know, there were already people who had like stepped in who were there before us, um, so you know they kind of took the reins. But everyone else was just like, "Oh my gosh!" But you know. I think too many cooks in the kitchen in some of those situations, right. you know, can just lead to more chaos. So, you know, there was this one guy that you know, kind of had under control and he had, like got her out of the car and kind of helped her out and stuff. But yeah, it was, it was crazy. You know, when, you know, shit hits the fan and you're there and you don't know how to react. It's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. Have you ever been in a car accident? No, not like a bad one. Not like yours or anything. You know, I've gotten in like... Knock on wood, man. Yeah, a, a little fender bender, but that was it. Um, you know, it was actually last summer, two fourths of July ago. We were uh, coming back, or like going over to our friend's house, and uh, they just moved into uh, a new house. We weren't sure like what street it was, and we took the turn. You know, I thought it was the next one, but it was actually the other one. Turned pretty hard into the street. And uh, it was kind of like a, a chicane, like an S. Right. And there's a car parked right on the corner uh, inside this neighborhood. And there's another car coming the other way. So it was either like hit the car coming at me or turn Ooh. hit the parked car. Yeah, yeah. So I just kind of cranked the wheel and hit this parked car and kind of pulled off. And, you know, the people heard it and came outside. And, of course. You know, like, I'm so sorry. You know, that's my fault. You know, I was going too fast. And uh, like, oh, it's okay. You know, this this happens all the time. She's like, this is, this is like the fourth time our car's gotten hit right there. Really? And, is there anything they can do about that? Because if that's happened four times, two times in my head, I'm like, I'm gonna change this situation. I'm not gonna park my car there. Right. right. Was, yeah, we just, you know, they had a for sale sign in front of their house, and she's like, yeah, that's one of the big reasons why we're moving. It's because there's a oh. lot of traffic on this corner, and our corner's gotten hit you know, four times. So what corner is this? Plainfield and. Uh, North Lawn or Oak Lawn. Oh, okay, it's way up there. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it, it sucked. But that was, no one got hurt. And it was, it was, my bumper fell off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, crazy story. I'll just give the quick synopsis. Yeah, just on the highway. We were, we were going out uh, west to some hot springs. And yeah, some guy was parked on the side of the shoulder. And then that little divot section that separates two highways where police officers hang out. To, to nab people speeding this guy tried to turn to that and we just nailed him going 70 went to the hospital car totaled no girlfriend at the time had a broken ankle but crazy stuff so so other than uh you know car accidents for fun you know that you've observed over the weekend <laughs> what else did you uh, and jen get into so you were months a couple months ago we were like talking when we were in lockdown and everything you know i feel like you're scrolling through social media and there's a ton of like fads going on because no one could do anything so they're like Right. You know, people doing like the at-home workouts and, you know, a lot of people are doing like the epoxy wood stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I kind of, you know, got into that and found, you know, a guy on, you know, Facebook that sold slabs of wood. And so what is epoxy wood for people that might not know what it is? Um, 
it's like a, it's like liquid plastic or like liquid glass. I guess is kind of the best way to describe epoxy. It's uh, you like put it over like wood tops or things that like a, like a bar top. Um, it's kind of got that shiny gloss to it. Gotcha. Um, it's like a protective sealant. And it just makes it look shiny and pretty. Yeah. yeah. It kind of protects it. Makes it kind of look like it's kind of like wrapped in glass. Okay. Um, so you know that was kind of really popular on um, uh, you know, Instagram and stuff during lockdown. <laughs> you know. So the only place that was really open was Home Depot or Lowe's or anything, so I went and got some, and, and it took me months to kind of finally finish, but I poured that today, so that's drying right now downstairs, it looks pretty good, I've never done it before, so. So, well, that, that leads me into a question for you here, so how long have you and Jen been homeowners here at Downing Street? Uh, we closed on the house in October and moved in the second week in November, I think. Okay, so... So yeah, so eight months? Eight months, yeah. That's yeah. So I know we started um, kind of the house search real hard this time last year, so August. So. Yeah, and it happens quick. So so do you think after being a, a homeowner now, um, Instagram ads, obviously they push ads to people based off of their interest in what they're doing in life, and so you're getting epoxy ads, and I've never had an epoxy ad in my life on Instagram. So are they pushing you stuff for like homeowners, like... Hey, renovate your backyard. You know, if you're doing DIY projects for the kitchen, you should do this. Yeah, you get a lot of that? Oh, God, dude, our phones are listening to us, I swear. Because then you talk about, oh, I want to do something with my lawn. And then you're going through and there's like, <laughs> you keep getting these ads. And I want all the stuff I want to buy so bad. It's like it's like a lawn like uh, repair tool. It's like a carpet. So you like roll it out and then yeah. you get it wet. And it like grows into your grass and like, you know, starts you know, filling up your lawn. Okay, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Um, yeah, you've you've been kind of re-sparking that that uh, passion or interest, if you want to call it. Well, in um, high school, every single semester for four years, I tried to apply for <laughs> and I never got the class. I never did. You were. Do you, you feel were resentful about me? Moritz, what's his name? Oh. Yeah, I just remember, I wasn't in the class at the time. I was I think I was taking a bathroom break, but I just remember coming back to the class and no one was in the classroom. It was cleared out, and I was like, "What happened?" There's just blood on the ground. I'm like, what happened when I was in the bathroom? But I think you you also have that. Uh, that gene to where you're, you're naturally curious about a lot of things oh, and you like to figure out how things work and so you're you're not afraid to tackle things that you don't know how to do because yeah. then you learn and then you're like oh easy I, I can handle this yeah. you know I can make a project out of a pallet yeah. but it's like something I have to want to like, like to do of course like, like this like seeing you set all this stuff up this is super interesting um, but you know like I don't want something I don't like I don't like decorating like I just leave all that stuff up to Jen well, I, don't, I don't know any like what goes with what but it's like oh I want to make a you know, bonfire pit or something outside or do like outdoor furniture like I'll figure out how to make it if you like, decorate and stuff like yeah. that so you know I've always wanted like a space to kind of do your own thing and finally have a house you have that ability oh man the dream I think someday is just to have a, a man cave which also acts as like a wood shop you know, and just have tons of table saws, miter saws, drills, everything you could want, and just be able to build and create, man. All that stuff. It's money. We're having this discussion at work the other day, like, you know, you have to have hobbies when you get older, but what's the cheapest hobby you can get into? Disc golf. <laughs> That's my guess. That, 
Really? Right there, yeah. We thought of that so fast. We thought like running. Okay. Oh, running. Like running shoes are really expensive. Fair. You know, and then you have to apply your pay for all your races. You have to join. Ah, like, uh, yeah. You know, you could probably have to think physical therapy or something because runners are always hurt. And then you need more than one running outfit, and those can be pretty pricey because yeah. they don't. You don't want them to chafe, yep. like on yeah, your legs. And, yeah. So it's like often you gotta get all the booze and eating right. And, you know, the gooze, yeah. Really into it, you know that kind of goes into it too. Is you know eating right for that, but running, but you know that all adds up. I guess disc golf. The only the only cost you have is is discs, and yeah. those you can get them for eight bucks. Yeah. You know. But yeah, other than that, you know, if you're into music or podcasting. What's the most expensive hobby? Do you think? I do like um, equestrian or something. Uh, I probably. Figure skating is super. Is it? Yeah, because you have to pay for the outfits and the training and the ice time. Did you see that movie, the Tanya Harding movie? Awesome. I thought it was so well done. Yeah, it was good. Um, we watched that Jojo Rabbit, the new one on HBO last night. Did, was it your first time seeing it? Yeah, have you seen it? No, I haven't. People oh keep God. recommending it. What's it about again? I don't even know how to describe it. It's a Nazi satire, so it's... Oh, interesting. very dark comedy. Okay. Um, so it follows like, this like 10-year-old German Aryan kid that was born right before you know World War II. Sure. And he, you know, he brainwashed to hate the Jews and thinks they can read minds and sleep upside down like bats oh my god then, you know, like they can fly like he's just brainwashed yeah and like his best friend is hitler so he has like really hitler like shows up in his room and they like hang out together it's just really weird yeah it was, it was a really interesting movie who's the director do you know someone i've never heard of okay interesting i'll have to check it out it just got added this weekend so so yeah that actually is a question i like to ask people just because uh, and I haven't even asked it yet, but it was going to be, what, what's your favorite movie that you could recommend for people? Just because a lot of people, they they love movies, especially during quarantine, and they're, and they're looking for something new to, you know, to fill up their brains with, so. I'm like a movie movie guy. I know you are. Like, the script, the cinematography, the producing, and the acting. Yeah. No way. Okay. Oh my gosh. This is very surreal. So when I uh, had my first introductory interview with John DeVries doing the podcast and we just kind of cut it because the audio wasn't good. I asked him what his favorite movie was. Then he asked me. And my response was, there will be blood. Because Daniel Day-Lewis is probably top three favorite actors. So good. It's on Netflix right now. Mm-mm. Yep. He's an underrated. What else has he been in? Because I, I know he was Lincoln, he right? Was, he's won like three Oscars. Gangs um, of New York, I think, was one. Yeah, he was at like My Left Foot. He won an Oscar for. He played like a, a handicapped guy in a wheelchair. Yeah, cerebral palsy, I think. Um, he was in Last Mohicans. I haven't seen that yet. Really? Oh, that was from like from the ninth, early 90s. That was good. Did we watch that in History versus Hollywood? Probably. It would probably be on there. So he's like a okay. good actor. So like he lives his roles. Like right. Before he does them. Like the Joker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, um, you know, he, uh, doing Last of the Hegans, it takes place in like the 1700s. And he's like a settler that like lives with the Indians. And he like went in the woods in like upstate New York and lived like by himself off the land for like four months. Yeah, man, he's insane. I've heard that he's not um, acting 
anymore these days. Like, he's taking a break. Okay. He said that was going to be his last movie. I gotcha. But, you know, actors always say that. Of course. So, um, so yeah, quarantine, it's been interesting for so many people in different ways. You and Jen luckily have been so gainfully employed still, but it's still giving everybody an opportunity to really, really focus on passions, hobbies, and interests. And, I mean, you guys have crushed uh, developing your backyard and the interior of your house since quarantine, just, you know, really doing a lot of DIY projects. What would you say uh, your favorite project's been so far and what you've been most proud about in like the last four or six months? I know Jen's done a lot more stuff like inside the house. Like, I love what she did with the bathroom. Um, I know when we were working, oh, yeah. we, we because I was home for probably two months. I think I was working from home for two months and Jen works from home full time. So we were kind of getting used to, uh, you know, I guess being colleagues for, for a few weeks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I usually kind of just lock myself in the office. And I know there's like a couple of days where I came out, you know, at the end of the day, and like the bathroom was totally repainted. And she had like all these like project you know, like she's doing right now and stuff like that. Yeah. Jen's, so of course people awesome. can't see us, but Jen's sitting over here with the, uh, looks like some plywood cork board with holes in it and decorating it with a beautiful floral design, uh, which is going to go in their office. It's just... Yeah. So, very creative um, yeah she's she's a lot more creative so like I, I do more of the stuff like outside like i'm i really like lawn like cutting my lawn <laughs> so you know, and comparatively from what you know when we got the house our lawn was terrible the people that take uh you know a lot of care of it so kind of put a lot of work into that and you know that swing I, oh sorry about that um, the swing, we've got like a, a swing we made out of pallets um, that's hanging from our tree that I really like. Um, and I use it uh, I use it all the time, so I'd probably say that and that fire pit area is nice, but it's just been so hot this summer, we really haven't had a chance to... It's been so hot this summer, yeah. So, um, so Bowling Green State University. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, what inspired you to go down there what did you study and tell, tell us about bgsu what was it like man um so i you know coming out of high school i just know i wanted to study something i wanted like was interested in mm-hmm. you know because i didn't know you know if i went to you know a state school you know like michigan state or senior or something i didn't know what i was going to study okay. um and i remember like sports management was like a, a thing i found out about kind of going on my college tours and it's a business degree, basically, for most universities, but um, it's just centered around sports opposed to, like, general business. Um, so, you know, I started doing research of, you know, places, you know, around here, you know, in the state that had sports management degrees. And the only places that really had it were northern Michigan, which is six, seven hours away in Marquette and the UP here. Um, Central Michigan had a minor at the time. Um, and... Uh, University of Michigan had a program too, but I wasn't going to have the grades to get in there. Sure. Um, so the only other place like around here was uh, Bowling Green, and that's probably, you know, a little, about three hours away, a little less. So how many people got that confused with Bowling Green, Kentucky, when so you told many. them you were going so, to Bowling Green yeah, State University? People, you know, that's a big city, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a big city. I think it's top four or five, yeah. So in, you know, Bowling Green, Ohio is like 30,000 people. It's pretty small. So, yeah. Um, you know, if anyone knew of college sports or anything, they you know like, BG was, but for the most part, people thought I was going to Kentucky. What is BG known for? Um, hockey. They're really good at hockey. Um, but, you know, they had one of arguably top three sports management programs in the country, ironically. So oh, nice. That's one of the reasons why I went there. Because if I would have gone to Northern, it would have been too far. Right. Um, in Central, I don't know what I would have majored in had I, you know, gone there to get a minor. So, yeah. Uh, 
you know, they're, they're really good at hockey. Um, you know, it's a big hockey school. It's actually one of, I think, only 16 schools in the country that has Division One basketball, football, and hockey. Okay. Um, so, you know, our football team sucked. Uh, basketball wasn't a big deal getting in the MAC, but we played in, like, the top conference um, in the country for hockey. So we had U of M, we had Michigan State, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Oh, man. Um, you know, coming into town, like, every weekend. So, Did you go to the games a lot? Yeah, we, I went a lot, you know, especially my first couple of years. It was it was a blast. So, you know, sport-wise, they're really, really well known for that. I so. bet. And then you joined a fraternity, right? Yeah, my junior year, so I played lacrosse for two years. Oh, that's right. Um, you did play lacrosse yeah, there, so yeah. I played lacrosse for two years. Um, you know, nothing against the, the, the culture of lacrosse. It got a little <laughs> bro-y for me. So Fair. I, I guess, with, looking that back now, I went to join the fraternity. Joined a fraternity right after. But, um, <laughs> Different kind of bro-y. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like the fraternity that I joined, it was just a group of people who were, like, anti-Greek, but happened to be. Yeah. Like, like a Greek organization. It's just like an anti-Greek guys club, in a way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's kind of gay. in literally any Greek activities other than like um, uh, intramural sports, which we won, I think, a football championship like every single year I was in college. And oh, nice. Basketball. So we were really, really good at sports. Um, but we just we weren't involved in any of that Greek shit, I guess. So to say. Sure. It was, still, uh, it was know, it's kind of ironic. So there, then, um, while you joined the fraternity, is that when you met your beautiful fiance Jen? Yeah. So I had, how'd you meet her? We so my three or four of our f- mutual like our friends, mm-hmm. my friends were dating her friends. Okay. So we just kind of knew like a lot of mutual people, and then ironically, our like chapters got matched up for Greek weekend. Um, like partners for yeah, you guys probably had that right. You did, like, yeah. Competitions field day. Um, and we got matched up with them, so I remember our, you know, my friends that were dating her friends, like, hey, you know, we're coming out with, you know, all the girls in her chapter, you know, you want to come out, so we met, what, I think, like, the, it's right after Christmas, I think, like, my junior year or something, so it was, like, six and a half years ago. Okay. Um, and then we just kind of started hanging out, seeing each other, you know, a lot, because we had friends that hung out together, and just kind of ended up being together, I guess, for us. And, and, uh, and, and where's Jen from? Um, a tiny town in central Ohio called Shelby. Shelby, Ohio. Have so, you been oh, a couple yeah, times? Yeah. yeah. What's uh, Shelby like? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> the farthest place you could get from Grand Rapids. Like, Interesting. Like, how many people are from there? Like, t- 10,000, maybe? Like, your high school had, like, 400 kids in it. Less than that. So you had like you had about as many kids in your graduating class as I had. Like how many kids in your graduating class? So like a tiny thirty in your graduating class. Tiny. I'm sure I had like a gym class with like seventy five people. Yeah, we. Yeah, yeah like I think our, we our did. Lunch, like we had separate We had three know? lunches at one point, yeah. didn't we? So our lunch, I know we had two consistently, yeah, but then our lunch would have more people than her entire school. School. So, wow. And it's very like rural. Uh, rural. Um, so I remember like the first time we went there, we went to Jen's like, yeah, I want to take you to the farm. Like, what? The farm? And she's like, yeah, my family owns a hog farm. Like we have for, you know, decades. Like, okay. So, <laughs> this is, you know, I'm from the city. I've never been on a farm or anything. Right. She takes me to this 
massive barn, and there's a couple hundred hogs in there, and the place they're going nuts. And if she tells me that she raised pigs for fair when she was in high school, <laughs> and it's just like I never knew that. I don't think up until that point, and it was just like, oh my gosh, we come from totally different worlds. Yeah, but at the same time, though, I mean, I've gotten to observe you guys over the last five, six years, and you know, you guys complement each other ridiculously well, despite being from very, very two, you know, different places. So. Yeah. Yeah. Poor, but you know, our, same thing with you. Our, you know, my parents wouldn't give me money if I walked out the door. You know, like, exactly. You know, earn it or whatever. You know, I had a job at sixteen. Yeah. So you guys have similar values, and that's yeah, that's yeah. the foundation to a relationship yeah. at the end of the day. So. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. always a, ooh, it's an interesting place. Well, hopefully, I go someday. That could be fun. Yeah, so, <laughs> well, I run back to the movie thing. My second favorite movie, or arguably, you know, the first would have been Oh, of course. And they filmed that in, like, the town, I guess the town where she was born. So, like, right next to Selby, that prison. Um, it's like Ohio State Reformatory. No way. Yeah, so, that was filmed there. Yeah, so we, I probably, like, four or five years ago, probably, like, one of the first times I visited, um, you know, her mom took us and we went to the prison and you got to go just, like, a self-guided tour and they had, like, little, you know, cutouts and, like, information plaques of, like, this is where they shot this scene. Oh, and, cool. You know, all this stuff. And it was... Awesome. We're, did uh, you know, in that same area, did they have the tree where Andy buried the box of money in Zuatanejo or whatever, or something so like that? That tree was in like Ashland, so like 25, 30 minutes away from the prison. Kentucky? No, Ohio. Ashland, Ohio. Okay. So, ironically, that tree got struck by lightning like two or three years after the movie. No. And uh, yeah, it got uh, it got burned down. But the wow. farmer who owned it, like he had so many people coming to it. And stuff, oh man! Like I don't blame him, man. Yeah, it's his property. He's and probably then, getting pretty annoyed. Yeah, but then the tree, the tree got struck by lightning or something. Well, you know that's that's a sign, yeah. <laughs> in a way, maybe. If you're passing through Central Ohio, it's worth to go to Mansfield and go see that prison. If you like the movie, it's crazy. Yeah, I bet, man, for sure. So after Bowling Green, you uh you come back to Grand Rapids, right? Yeah, and then back here, yeah. So that's December of. And then what did you do when you came back? Um, I was kind of looking for work. Obviously, I had a sports management major at the time um, and wanted to kind of pursue it. Um, going into sports management, you know, I didn't really realize how competitive and low-paying the stuff was. Sure. And that would probably force me to move somewhere. So, um, you know, I'd done an internship in Florida while I was in college um, working for a junior golf tour down in uh, Jacksonville. And, uh, you know, used my experience and got, uh, you know, a job working, um, like, on the golf staff at each Valley Country Club here mm-hmm. in town. Um, you know, kind of running the pro shop and doing events, um, you know, things like that. Um, and that was just a lot of hours. Um, yeah. Low pay and, you know, kind of looking at jobs and stuff that, you know, suited my major. You know, I'd have to move um, and go to a big city, which I probably wouldn't want to because if you're playing Grand Rapids is kind of the perfect size. Yeah, it really uh, is. You know, I, you know, I never thought I'd want to like stay here. You know, when I was in high school, but kind of coming back. You know, being you know older, you know, twenty one and stuff, being able to like kind of go out and experience that town. It's way better, and it's you know grown so much since you know when I originally left here. So, um, you know, I kind of bounced around jobs for a little while and ended up where I am now. So, so what was your your first job after 
you know, deciding that sports management was not the avenue you wanted to pursue. Yeah, what was that first one? I worked um, at a company called Terryberry for like four months. So I got hired. Um, they did like human resource, like information systems and like employee recognition software. And yeah, it was kind of, kind of weird. Kind of sounds like Paycom a little bit in a way, maybe. Sort of, yeah. Um, so I worked there as like a sales development, um, you know, business development role. Um, sure. But the company had never had that position before and I was the first person brought in and they didn't even have a job description for it when I when I started on my first day so they basically like gave me a book and said like hey read this you know we, we'll give you a couple weeks figure it out kind of do some research and see you know what, how other companies are doing this literally it was basically like college again like right. a book report you know tells me so like, what the, what the hell? <laughs> I was given no tools or anything and I reported to the head of sales but he was gone three days a week traveling across the country visiting sales reps. And he doesn't have time to set you up for success? No. And when yeah. he was in the office, you know, I just, he didn't have time. He was doing all this other stuff. You know, mm. It was a lot bigger. And you know, it was a great company. It was filled with great people. It's just like I didn't have, you know, any guidance on, you know, what to do or how to do it. So Not a lot of resources at your disposal? No, no. And it was just like, you know, if I wanted a decision or needed a question asked, I had to wait days to see my boss or him to get back off the road. So Yeah. It was just kind of a you know job in the meantime, um, kind of in between things. I wish it would have lasted longer, but you know it's, it is what it is. And so that led you now to your your current position, and you're doing. Man, I'm gonna butcher this so bad, I think, but it's uh it's technology software system sales or something reselling. Yeah, it's reselling of like uh, data center hardware. So I like when a company goes and buys like new switches and servers. Um, you know, they don't, when they're done with it, you know, there's still a ton of money to be left in it because those things were $100,000 for like one server or something. Oh, I bet. From, you know, from the start. So it just kind of, there's like a circular market, so it kind of just keeps getting pushed down the line. So you're the middleman. Yep, exactly. So I don't talk to the customer. I heard the end to users, like in our business where it's called, so like where it's going to end up going. I talk to the person who talks to a guy who talks to a guy exactly like a stockbroker. I have no idea where gotcha. this stuff is going or who's buying it. I just sell it to people, not companies. So, I mean, there's a market for everything, and especially with the advancement of technology, man, that's going to be something that'll be profitable forever. Yeah. I it, could imagine. It, there's, you know, the obviously the big you know, manufacturers like the HP, Cisco, and Dell, they hate our market because, you know, it's, like they said, it's anywhere between like one to two billion dollar market of like this, it's called like the gray market because it's yeah. in, in that gray space. And they're trying to do like everything they can to kind of make sure we aren't getting that money and it's getting back put back in their pockets. So right. There's a lot of stuff changing all the time, but you know, for, for the meantime, it, it pays the bills. Do you like what you do? I like what I do. Yeah, um, I really like the people I work with. Um, it's such a huge difference every time. It, that's the big. It doesn't matter, I guess, if you like what you do, if you like the people you work with. Um, you know, I. You know, it's a hard job. You know, I wear a lot of hats and got to do it, juggle a ton of things at once. But uh, yeah, I, I like it. You know, I, nowadays, I guess you can't really pick and choose where you want to work. So I'm staying there for the time. Yeah, for sure. And I would too. I mean, if it if it does well and you like what you do, and you like the people you're with, it's great. Yeah. Shall we do a refill? Yeah, sure, of course. Let's do one. So for the listeners out there, Kyle's got some wonderful uh, Jack Daniels honey whiskey. We're mixing that with a little bit of lemonade. Thanks, man. I'm excited to golf later. 
I saw it. It's, it really turned out to be a good day. It was oh, it's been a great day. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited to go golfing with my mom at some point just because I know I know your mom golfs a lot and your mom's pretty darn good. And she uh can't be. she can't, can't. <laughs> can. fair, yeah. Um, but I, I'm sure my mom wants to golf with your mom and I think that her and I were I'm pretty garbage as you know because 'cause I've gone with you, but we'll uh but we'll get good together. Times, only a few times, yeah. But no, uh, in due time. Have you played pickleball yet? No, that's that's another thing that I feel like I keep hearing about it all the time. So and so is playing pickleball. You know, let's go play pickleball. Yeah, I'd like to. I know it's a workout. It's really fun. We played last night um, you know, with my parents. Um, oh, did you? Yeah, and it's you know we play every couple. I don't know, once a month or something like that. With yeah. You know, that sport, I think it's like the fastest growing sport in America. I thought I read. Okay. Um, so you know, I know all over town they've started converting tennis courts into pickleball courts because tennis courts are never getting used. But now it's kind of hard to find a pickleball court. Yeah. But they're all over, um, and it's it's just it's basically ping pong. Yeah. Um, but on like a bigger scale, and it's super super easy to pick up. You know, my one sister. Um, least athletic person ever, you know, played for the first time. Which, Brooke or Kelsey? Kelsey. Okay. She, you know, she was killing it. You know, she, was she? She really, really well. Nice. Um, so it's not hard to pick up. The rules are pretty simple. Um, and it's, you know, it's a workout, but you're not, you know, dying. Yeah. Um, you know, the court's pretty small, but it's, it's a blast. <laughs> it's really, really fun. <laughs> well, dude, next time you go and you guys ever need another person or whatever, hit me up. I'm sure I'd be yeah, down, you know? We have four paddles, so we should find, uh, I'm sure Daniel, uh, he would be too good. But, yeah. <laughs> he would. <laughs> Yeah, can't go with the Mashads. Not allowed. For sure. So, so what other hobbies? Uh, I guess yeah, what other hobbies and interests do you have in terms of you know passing the time and you know work, work's done. You've got all of your the things that you have to do out of the way. Like, what what do you prefer to do to spend the time? Um, you know, like I said, I love the grass. You can only do that once a week, though. Oh, Sometimes yeah, twice. Oh, okay. So, would. Yes, you've gone into so, hunting. Yeah, that's really been what I've put a lot of time and you know, money into kind of since I got what, back. Why do you like it so much? I, you know, I've, growing up, you know, I always fished all the time. You know, my dad, um, you know, and you know, my grandpa, um, and all of my uncles on both sides of my family, you know, always hunted, and my dad never got into it, and that's you know, how you get into sports. Um, you know, I always wanted to go, but, you know, I've never had anyone to go with or anything. And, you know, I kind of came back from college and, you know, kind of had my own money and stuff to do, so I wanted to finally do it. And, you know, talk to my other, you know, uncles and stuff about, you know, hunting, you know, north of them and kind of really started liking it. And then, obviously, with your dad, you know, letting me, you guys, the property you guys have up more off for this makes a huge difference. So, you know, having the time and, I guess, place close enough to do it, you know, is really what makes it a lot easier to get into. Yeah. Oh, it's it's one of those things where you just learn. So it's like golf. You learn so much more every single year. Yeah, you get you get better and better. It's tough. It's, it's a hard tough sport. It's, it's patience. It's patience, and then that's the biggest thing. Like I'm extremely impatient, um, and I like to rush things. So I think that's another big thing that it, it, I have to forces me to slow <laughs> down and not you know speed up. 
heat everything up and you know, kind of take everything as is. So yeah, um, you know, I just got like my new bow last week, and I what, what kind of bow is it? Uh, it's like a Mission by Matthews. Um, Ooh, I don't know. It's like a, I, you know, I went in the store. I've never even shot a compound bow before. I went in there, so I have really no idea what the hell I was buying or doing. But um, you know, it's, I like it. You could have given me a two hundred dollar one and a nine hundred dollar one. Fair enough. Um, yeah, you know, I like it. You know, I've been practicing a lot with it. Um, you know, kind of getting used to it. But, you know, I guess the season's here in two months from tomorrow. Yeah. So. And I, I know my dad loves hunting with you just because I've been gone the last nine years out of Michigan. and. Yeah. And he's a diehard bow hunter, as we know. And so the, the running joke in the Novosad household is that Kyle Whitaker's uh, Bob Novosad's fourth son. <laughs> it's his fourth child. <laughs> yeah, I texted Derek's dad. I text, uh, I text your dad probably like once every other week or something about deer hunting, something related. Yeah, and he's a pretty clever texter. He'll send emojis too, which is pretty pretty sprightly for a 67-year-old, you know. Yeah, your dad's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Buddy and, you know, obviously letting, him, letting me hunt up there is awesome and yeah. huge, huge. It's cool you guys have that relationship yeah. for sure. So, so how cool is it too? Also, that your sisters are moving back to Grand Rapids and the whole family is kind of coming coming together here. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, one of my, uh, I guess both my sisters are older. One of them um, lived in Colorado for three or four years, I think. Yeah. Um, and her and her husband moved back um, about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, and they live in Rockford now, so that was nice, kind of having them back and. Um, you know, my sister and her family now, you know, she's got two kids and her husband, um, they've been on, you know, the east side of the state for like 10 years. Um, yeah. And they just bought a house, um, you know, with the help of your mom, um, like last week, two weeks ago. And they bought a house like three miles down the road from us. So um, it's awesome. You know, it's really nice having everyone back, um, especially, I guess, with my parents and one of my sisters being as close as we are. I think it's going to be you know, a lot nicer. Um, you know, we haven't been able to hang out together, you know, consistently for I guess, our entire adult life. So I guess it's right. like kind of almost getting like another friend kind of up here. It's pretty surreal, you know, that like, yeah, you're growing up with siblings, of course, you have a very, very different relationship and you're living under your parents' roof. And then now as you're adults, you're living in the same area. It's, it's a very, very different, cool dynamic that you have with one another because you were raised the same way you have the same parents but now you guys can think for yourselves you yeah. you know you have your own mortgages yeah, you get to be friends you, you get to be, be friends like a friend of, you know, with your sibling again but right you no know, it's it is it's it's nice you know they haven't moved in yet so it's going to be kind of uh i guess take a little bit for them to get settled in but it's going to be it's going to be nice just to have the family to kind of do stuff i guess again oh i bet man but just wait till everything's over i guess and kind of get back to normal so. when do you think that's going to be Man, what, what's what's your what's your guesstimate? Because right now we're, we're recording this on I think what August second of uh, twenty twenty. The death counts up what one hundred fifty plus now Americans I think. I think so yeah. Um, man, I don't know. You know, they're talking about all these vaccines, but I don't know about you, but I don't know how comfortable I am putting some very untested chemical into my body right away. Yeah, it depends. I would really want to do my research and, you know, I, I think I do trust uh, Anthony Fauci, you know, for the most yeah. part, just because he's devoted his entire life to you know, studying microbes and, and uh, viruses and whatnot. And so I think for the most part, I might follow his guidance, but at the same time, I don't know. I want to do my own research to make like sure. We don't know what's going to happen, what it does to people. It's true. A year, two, three, five years down the road. That's the thing. They've only had it even if they get it approved they're only going to have six months worth of 
you know, side effects or something down the road. So yeah. You know, what if it makes you sterile or something in five years? Or That's a good point. Gives you, you know, collapses your veins or something. You don't know. Right. And that's I guess, thing, but I guess that at this point, that's almost a uh, risk you have to take. Yeah. So I, guess, I mean, they, they might have that where, like, you can't go anywhere in the world yeah. unless you've had the vaccine. Well, we've so. seen that Contagion movie. And Contagion, that right. wristband, and you got to scan it. Uh-huh. I honestly think that's probably somewhere where we're going to end up going, but yeah. I think there's no chance that we don't get locked down again here come the fall. Well, it's it's only realistic, realistic in society that another pandemic will happen, whether that be 5, 10, 100 years down the road, but I just hope we're learning from this and that we can make the right choice choices for the economy for our well-being our health that when it does come we're prepared we're good when was the last one 100 years ago 1918 the kansas flu technically spanish flu but it started in kansas yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. they called it the spanish flu because like the, they were the only ones that reported it right yeah mm-hmm. so i know so it's like that that was a hundred years ago so like yeah we, they were wearing masks back then. They were. You know, I've seen pictures of people at football games that were wearing yep. masks and you know, social distancing. But, you know, the economy was so different back then to now. It's completely different. And then you got to think, you know, if this is every hundred years, you know, a hundred years from now, what the hell is the world going to look like? There, so, there should be a task force dedicated to it yearly. I think they, you know. Wasn't there? Wasn't they had like a, mm. a book of some something of like this happened and they went through it like every 10 years? I'm sure they weren't taken seriously. No. If they asked for funding or anything, yeah, I'm sure they weren't like, taken seriously. Uh, it, yeah. It's just shitty, you know. I guess we're in a good spot where we don't have kids or anything, but. You know, those are the people I really feel for, like seniors in high school and people who have kids with both parents working. Uh, Exactly. If you're a parent and you've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old and you can't take them to daycare and you have full-time jobs, like you have to balance that at home, that's got to be so stressful. I think even if you have a a sixth grader and a fourth grader, what what do you do about school? Exactly. your husband work? You know, there's a ton of people I work with, you know, most of the people are around mid-30s late 40s so they're all having that conversation like every single day and it's like i can't imagine what the hell would i do yeah (laughs) yeah and they're trying to figure out like what okay if this they're not in school you know can i work like every other day from home and right it's like oh my god it's insane that's just the every day it's something different it's it's crazy fucking world (laughs) i know man so so one thing i wanted to bring up uh you know before we we sign off here in a little bit uh so in our friend group, I'd say you're known as uh, the book of knowledge in the sense that you have an insane amount of random facts stored up in your brain. How do you remember so much random crap? Dude, I, like, you, you are the king of trivia. I, I don't. I literally have been asked that and asked myself that all the time. You know, I can't, you know, I trade parts for a living and it's like, like skew, so it's like letters and numbers. I can't fucking, I type the same thing 400 times a day. I can't remember sure. that stuff, but like if I hear like a date or like a place, yeah, I can remember it. So it's like, I don't understand how my brain works, but. You remember yeah. so much stuff. It's fascinating. I read a lot, like, you know, not like books or anything, but you know, I. Articles. I, yeah, articles. I read journals in like, you know, um. New, yeah, news articles, periodicals, stuff like that. Sure. And like I just it, the the way I can retain that information is great. I don't understand it. Um, yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, honestly, I, I think you're the best trivia partner anyone could ever ask for. Yeah, so I just can't, you know, I've tried out for Jeopardy a couple times, but I just can't. Seriously? Like there's like a pre test you have to take, and it's like Mesopotamia is the answer. I can't fucking spell that while the clock is ticking. Oh man, right. fair. So, 
Um, I don't know. I, I'd love to. That's left brain it. part, right? Yeah. I, I, I can't spell worth shit, but <laughs> I don't know. I love, I've always liked trivia and you know, mm-hmm. finding and learning new shit is super interesting. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, especially, I think it helps me to retain it if I enjoy the subject. Yeah. So th- there's a component out there that is that like, if you were able to put an emotion behind learning, um, you're able to retain it like oh, yeah. 80% quicker or something. Yeah. So if you really, really care about something, you're passionate about it. You're going to remember it. That's why so many people, they're in high school and they're learning about biology. And they just, they don't give a crap. And, they're, and so they don't learn. But then some people are like, I want to be a doctor. Yeah. So they read it once, they retain it. You like know? You learn it to take the test. And then once you take the test, you don't remember it. Like almost 80% of the stuff I learned in college, just like anyone else, you're not going to remember. But you remember no. the stuff that you're interested in. Yeah. The stuff that had to do with like my major, I remember all that stuff. I'm sure you do. You know, the projects and you know some of the classes. You know, I took that were you know the electives that I was actually interested in. I right. Remember that stuff, but I took like Life in the Sea. I took like a marine. <laughs> I can't tell you anything about that. Fair. Like, I remember I took the philosophy of punishment class, and I could tell Ooh, everything about that. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Did they have the Stanford Prison Experiments in there? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That yeah. That's um, a great study. That was actually sociology too. That was covered in that class. And oh yeah, too. I bet. Yeah. Well, hey, so we're uh, getting close to the end. Um, I guess last question for you is, uh, what are you, what are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? Man, at this point, having a paycheck, uh, air in my lungs, and friends that are healthy. Yeah. Fair enough. And a nice house and a good person to live in it with. Good. She's, she's not even listening. <laughs> good stuff, though. <laughs> It's been it's been kind of fun having having Jen in the background while we've been uh, having a you know healthy chat here. It's okay. We can ever listen later. So, well, Kyle, man, I think that uh, that about wraps it up. Thanks for coming on, dude. Um, of course, thanks for coming over. Hopefully, I kick I kick your ass in golf this afternoon, but uh, yeah, we'll see. All right, signing off.